Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar is created by immature adults for other immature adults. Listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar, a literary comedy podcast. I'm Kathleen Brumbach. And I'm Christian Lutz. I would definitely do opium with Oscar Wilde. I would get arrested with Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Worth it. People used to tell me I talked about books too much. And now you drink about books. <laughs> Isn't it time to get lit? Let's get lit. Welcome, welcome. Welcome back, everybody. We are back and it is a dark and stormy night. Perfect for spooky season. We are two English majors. Walk into a bar. A literary comedy podcast. Oh my gosh. We, okay. We have to start off by (laughs) acknowledging like how crazy busy it's been, not just for us, for everyone. The whole world is getting married. The whole, that's what it is. Every single person in our vicinity has had a wedding in the past like couple of weeks is going to have a wedding. It, I don't know what the, the floodgates opened mm-hmm. and everybody is getting married now. I heard it called so. revenge wedding season because um, everyone's so upset about uh, not being able to have their COVID weddings that they're like now all getting married at once. That's yeah. true. I think that's fair. Yeah, but we are making it through and somehow managing to enjoy spooky season still. Uh, Cool stuff is on the horizon. Uh, This is being recorded right before our live show. But if you came to the live show and we had a blast, then congratulations. Thank you. We love you. Uh, But you'll be hearing this after. Yeah. And And if you didn't, you missed out on the best time in the world. We already know. Yeah. Fun stuff. And... This, uh, I was about to say this week, but we release monthly. Uh, this <laughs> month, we are covering none other than Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. I'm so excited. Get it is your... the best vampire book. It really is. I, I have something to say about that when we get to the very end, um, because I really enjoyed going through the Wikipedia page. So much so that I texted Christian today and I was like, what if we switch up the format? We knew we were only going to cover one piece of literature this week. Mm-hmm. And this, why do I keep saying this week? <laughs> this month? We don't know time anymore. It's been so busy. <laughs> time does not what exist time? anymore. It's been so busy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are covering Dracula. We knew we were just going to do this one piece of literature. So we're switching up the format. And I texted Christian and I was like, what if we just let Wikipedia do all of the work for us? And I immediately followed that with, can they sue us? (laughs) And we are citing our sources. So I don't think so. We are. We love Wikipedia. Our source. (laughs) And yeah, our one source, you know, we didn't look at anything else. (laughs) You know, we didn't do that much work. But yeah, so what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to go through and uh, move through each uh, section of the Wikipedia page, and we're just going to give our commentary as we go through and read a little bit to you. And Christian, I I saw you take a drink. Do you you have any alcohol tonight? I have a nice cold glass of chocolate milk. (laughs) What? 
Oh my God. <laughs> no alcohol tonight. I um, have not had the chalky milk in probably like 10 years or more. I know me either. And I was at the store yesterday and I was like, for some reason, this sounds really, really good. So I got some. I love uh, that. Shout out to chocolate delicious. milk. I've just got some coffee. But I, I think both of us are, we're saving ourselves because, you know, we're, we're so pure and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we pure don't and drink innocent. all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we we're saving ourselves for this weekend. Yeah. So, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We hope that all of you enjoy it. And, uh, if you really like this format and want us to repeat this, please let us know. Follow us on social. Let us know on social. Comment, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. I've, uh, Christian, I've already <laughs> clicked away from the thing <laughs> that I was supposed to keep up. <laughs> See, that's why I, okay. So we had like this little like list because we're switching up our, you know, our format today. So I have this little list of who does what. And I told Kathy and I was like, I'm going to click off of it at least three times. Like it's just going to happen. And I was um, like, no, no, I'm going to keep it up. I'll remember. No, yeah. I didn't remember. <laughs> Oh, cool. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can get that, it back. It's fine. <laughs> I know. I, I, I've got it. So it says that Kathleen does the opener <laughs> and then Christian does the plot because I also texted Christian today and I was like, you have to do the plot because you know how I am. <laughs> it would take three hours. <laughs> We'd be here forever. <laughs> We'd be in Transylvania for seven years. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yes. Oh, I should say as part of the opener, I should say um, uh, we are Bram Stoker, uh, Dracula published 1897. So written in the 1890s, 1897. Y'all know the story. Y'all know what's you up. Should. So yeah. So just be down for the ride and get spooky. Now I can turn it over to Christian for the plot. <laughs> All right. Short and sweet, Kathleen. That was wonderful. I feel I like a radio host today doing that. Yes. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> okay. So everybody I think is familiar with Dracula's plot for the most part, but like, I feel like we have a lot of assumptions about what it is. So here's what happens per the Wikipedia page. So Jonathan Harker um, is an English solicitor. And I have to be honest, I don't know what that means. Oh, I do. I do. Okay. What does it mean? Okay. So, okay. You know how you can be like an attorney or sometimes we say lawyer. Okay. So to my very uh, beginner knowledge in England, you can be like an attorney, which is somebody who goes to court Mm -hmm. to um, like take care of litigation or you can be a solicitor, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a, a more informal version of being a lawyer or an attorney. And you so are you do somebody, the paperwork. Yeah, you do the paperwork and you do the um, like drawing up legal documents. OK, OK, cool. So John Harker draws up a lot of legal documents in his life. Um, <laughs> he creates so- a lot of legal documents. If I remember right, and my memory is, you know, old now, so thirty-five uh, years old to be exact. <laughs> I feel like he got hired to go to Dracula. Um, yeah, I would love to go with says, that. That works. Yeah, he said it. Wikipedia says he visits Count Dracula in his castle um, in the Carpathian Mountains. But I want to go to the Carpathian Mountains. Probably not, though. That sounds like camping, and I can't do that. <laughs> well, he lives in a castle, so. Yeah, but I don't feel like that's camping. I mean, I guess it depends on the castle. You don't know if it's a fancy (laughs) castle. You don't see there's just so much. Yeah, you can't trust it. It was 1897. You can't (laughs) trust the 
the um, Yelp reviews. I feel like I should give like a preemptive thing to pay attention to because I feel like this can come in handy later. Pay attention to how many places we go. Yeah. We talked about making it our drinking game, but it just is a lot. And we don't want to get you too trashed. Um, and I can only handle so much chocolate milk. So, you know, <laughs> only um. so much chocolate milk. <laughs> okay. So Harker is in um, or is going to visit Dracula in his castle in the Carpathian Mountains to help him purchase a house in London or near London. Yeah. Dracula um, wants to buy a house in London. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I like vividly remember like the whole ride there, but wikipedia doesn't say anything about it so we won't mention that um i don't know why that that first scene stuck with me um well, <laughs> anyway is, is he going camping is no he's camp- in a carriage and then like he sees the vampire people and that's all i remember that could either be really fun or like a haunted hayride or that could be like camping <laughs> which is very bad <laughs> kathleen's worst nightmare is camping, camping. <laughs> vampires really got is. it dracula we're good <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with vampires. Like they're probably hot, but camping, <laughs> no. So, as he's staying in the castle, um, Har- Harker's told to not wander. Which we all know, Kathleen. You would, if it's camping, you would stay in the tent. But yeah. if it was oh, a castle, yeah. you'd be everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's so, so true. It's like just if like you, if you told me in like a beautiful house, like don't snoop around. I'm going to have snoop. to snoop. It, yeah. it is now Open my life's mission to mm-hmm. snoop around in that house. But if you tell me you need to stay in the tent because everywhere else is outside. <laughs> we will avoid the outside. My ass is never leaving that tent. Okay. So just like um, Kathleen, uh, Harker decides that he is going to snoop everywhere in the castle. And oh, yeah. um, he ends up in- encountering the vampire brides. I feel like is the way most people know them as three vampire women. Um, and Dracula rescues him from these women who are probably just going to eat him and gives him a small child bound inside a bag. Yes. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I read this part of the Wikipedia page. I was like, that's a bizarre exchange. Like, please give me my solicitor back. Here's a small child in exchange. <laughs> eat this instead. <laughs> we never find out what happened to this poor child. They ate it. I feel like that goes without saying. There is like some like um, fan fiction that's like they're trying to make vampire babies. Like the three women want children, which I feel like is a really sexist way to interpret this yeah. scene. Why can't they just have a child for dinner? Um, but <laughs> they like a child for dinner. <laughs> yeah, small snack. Um, <laughs> Check out our episode on satire, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, but there's like a thing where they're trying to turn the. the kid in the bag into a vampire but like i don't think that he really goes into it um because it like (laughs) skips scenes and then harker is in bed and then it says soon after dracula leaves the castle and abandons him to the women um he escapes with his life and ends up delirious in budapest in a hospital that's when you know you've done too many drugs yeah (laughs) that's when you know the party got so lit that you wake up in a hospital in Budapest. <laughs> That's when you know. <laughs> Too much chocolate milk. Okay, so Dracula gets on a ship with England with a bunch of boxes with England to England with a bunch of boxes um, from the castle. Um, the captain's l- so one thing about Dracula and that we'll get into a little bit later is it's all written in like letters. So this is not really yes. a narrative. It's all letters back and forth. So one of the the reason we know he has a bunch of boxes on the ship is because it's written in the captain's log 
that he has all these boxes and also a bunch of people just keep disappearing until he's the only one left. Yes, uh, the novel is epistolary. I looked up the word in the Wikipedia page. You. <laughs> I know, I know. But coming in with the, the SAT words. <laughs> I bet you scored high. I uh. didn't. <laughs> it comes as no surprise to anyone. I did not. <laughs> so, okay, so everyone disappears. He's left to man the the ship by himself um and then an amb- animal re- resembling like a large dog leaps ashore when they get to whitby there's a lot of dogs in this yeah i think that's where the whole like vampires know, werewolf, versus werewolves maybe stuff. yeah i don't know i don't know so either. anyway they get to whitby and then whitby. lucy lucy west western 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 if you know how to say Western-ra. lucy's last name like Please at us on social media because I've been trying to figure Western Westenra, but I Westenra. feel like Westenra. Yeah, I I've been trying to say it, but I feel like I've seen it in movies said a ton of different ways. Where it's yeah, like I don't know Westerna, but, but that, that doesn't can't be right. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, so Lucy writes letters to her best friend, which is Harker's fiance Mina Murray, um, and describes a marriage proposal from Doctor John Seward, Quincy Morris, and Arthur. Homewood. So the the rest of the like this section of the book is just letters back and forth from those two, and then it gets more complicated. I um, love Lucy and Mina. I feel like too. we are. If you think about like the 1992 Gary Oldman Dracula, we are the perfect fit for like the brunette Lucy mm-hmm. and the like strawberry blonde Mina. I think that we should be them for Halloween. We should. Uh, I know we talked about that like forever ago. But we we really need to coordinate Halloween costumes. We someday. really do. Arthur Homewood's Arthur Homewood. Um, yeah, his proposal. Uh, but she remains friends with everybody. And then <laughs> Mina—that's jo- complicated, right? <laughs> Mina joins Lucy and Whitby, um, and Lucy begins sleepwalking. the sh- The ship lands there. Dracula starts stalking Lucy, and then Mina receives a letter about her missing fiance's illness and goes to budapest to nurse him back to health mina's just like bye girl i know you're being stalked by like this creepy vampire guy but like my fiance is sick (laughs) in budapest so i gotta go the wikipedia doesn't say that they know that he's there but like i remember in the book granted i read it in like high school i think i remember them saying that she did kind of know like there was there was clearly something else going on and Mina knew something else something bad was going on with Lucy yeah I I didn't read it until college in a Victorian lit class and I just remember it being very like she's kind of like torn between her best friend and her fiance and she abandons Lucy I feel bad for Lucy yeah especially knowing that it's a vampire stalking her because you know that um, yeah. Harker is like he's in a safe place but Lucy is not yeah so, exactly exactly so Mina pieces out to go take care of her fiance and then Lucy becomes super super sick and then Lucy's fiance I keep forgetting his first name no it's Arthur? not her fiance I'm so confused wait no Lucy does wait no Lucy does have a fiance because yeah she- but he's Homewood yeah Homewood <laughs> confusing Ar- myself Homewood. it's been a long day okay Arthur Homewood has nothing to do with this part of the story and I just confused <laughs> which man she got engaged to um <laughs> her friend Dr. Seward 
his old teacher, Professor Abraham Van Helsing. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. Um, he tries to determine the nature of Lucy's condition, and he figures it out. But he won't tell anybody. He's like, I'm not telling you what this is. It's well, it's a mystery. I know, but you can't know. That's rude. Talk about uh-huh. gatekeeping. For real. So he diagnoses her with acute blood loss and places garlic flowers all around her room and makes her a necklace out of them. That smelled great. Yeah. So she gets to smell wonderful and she's lost a lot of blood. Um, I love that that his solution to it is like, let's just make everything stinky. And then your stalker will probably leave you alone if you stink Mm -hmm. so bad. Well, he knew it was a vampire. He just didn't tell anybody. So he told everyone else that just make her stinky. So her stalker wouldn't be interested. Oh, Uh, my God. But Lucy's mom is like, ew, gross, no, and removes the garlic flowers, not knowing that they repel vampires. One thing I think is interesting is that they say garlic flowers. Like, it's not garlic cloves. So does a like garlic the, flower... I feel like, they, like it the, is. Yeah, it's the same thing. The bulb is like part of like, like there's the flower and then you pick the bulb from the flower. Yeah. If anybody knows how garlic works, let so us I, know. <laughs> I Googled and garlic actually does flower oh. into like these big purple balls. Oh, wow. Oh my God. That's pretty. Yeah. So garlic flowers, maybe they don't smell that bad. And we've been doing this all wrong. So then all those people who have garlic cloves, they don't know. They don't need to. Garlic stink. has been so misunderstood this entire time. Mm-hmm. The real hero of this story, garlic. Garlic. I do love me some garlic. Oh, God, I do, too. <laughs> Fuck me up with some garlic. <laughs> okay, anyway, so, um, yeah, so there, Lucy's mom removed all the flowers. Vampire can get back in. Seward and Van Helsing are absent when she moves the flowers out. And Lucy and her mother are terrified by a wolf. And oh, just the mom. This wolf, again, this dog comes back, back and is like, boo. <laughs> well, he said boo so loud the mom died. Um, Mrs. Westenra dies of a heart attack and then Lucy dies. Oh my God. So everybody dies. Um, and then she's buried in the newspaper report that children are being stalked and by a blue fur lady, a beautiful lady is what it says in parentheses. Because the kids couldn't pronounce beautiful, I guess. So Van Helsing figures out that it's Lucy and they go to her tomb and see that she's a vampire so they stake her in the heart, cut off her head, and fill her mouth with garlic. That escalated quickly. Right. Like, you know that a man was, like, planning that because, like, it went from, like, garlic flowers to cutting off her head real fast. <laughs> real fast. And he's like, vampires are around, and I'm not going to tell you what's going on, but I also am going to leave you alone without knowing why I put these flowers all over her room because what do you do with flowers when they start to die? You throw them out. So I think the mom was being logical. But Van Helsing had to keep all the information to himself. Gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. This is a novel Mm -hmm. about gatekeeping. Yep. And why you shouldn't do it. It's important to give everyone the information that they need to know for their lives to be saved. So anyway, Harker and Mina are now married. They come back and they join the campaign against Dracula. Everyone stays at Dr. Seward's asylum. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like that says a lot about what kind of man he is that he has an asylum. 
<laughs> yeah, he's just like, uh, yeah, guys. I mean, I guess you could all just like stay at my place. <laughs> I mean, it's like there's kind of a lot of people in and out, you know, like it's a ignore bit, all the noises, please. It's a little bit public, um, but, you know, it's it's great. <laughs> OK, so Van Helsing finally, after all of this, reveals that the vampires can only rest on Earth from their homeland. Uh, that would have been, been good been to know. Help- yeah, that would have been helpful information. I'm like- assuming at some point before this, he told them that Lucy was a vampire and that Dracula was a vampire who turned her because that's not in the Wikipedia. That's but, true. Well, yeah. I mean, we could also be because it is um, like written in like letters and diary entries and everything. So, yeah, we miss things. Yeah, we miss things. So you're kind of like always yeah. playing catch up. That's what I didn't like about reading this. That yeah. like I I don't like that style. I think it's clever and I think it's kind of interesting, but I just I I hate feeling like I've missed stuff. So Seward's patient Renfield starts communicating with Dracula. He's insane and he eats rats to absorb their life force. Christian, I told you not to talk about me like this. <sighs> I didn't say Kathleen. I <sighs> gave you a pseudonym. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> After Dracula learns the group's plot against him, he uses Renfield to enter the asylum. Also, I want to know how he's learning these things. Like is it through Renfield? Is Renfield able to hear what's going on in the offices or like other rooms? I feel like they just like Renfield is like their friend. Like they just he let him around. He's eating rats. Look, we all have a friend who eats rats sometimes. <laughs> like it's not that yeah, big Lucifer. of a deal. And I <laughs> I do not eat rats for the record. I actually think they're really cute, but I don't want to touch one of them. But no, like, I feel like they just let Renfield like hang out. Like he's their friend. He casually, I feel like he's um, Charlie Day from Always Sunny. (laughs) (laughs) I love Charlie. I know. I feel like that's Renfield. Like he's (laughs) kind of like they're like We're recasting Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) We're recasting Dracula as Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But yeah, I think we could do this. He's always around. He's hanging out. He's like their funny little friend. And he uh, he hears everything. He sees everything. And so Dracula is like infiltrating his brain because he's actually like the genius of the group. Like Charlie Day. OK, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> while the genius is infiltrating and his getting his brain stolen, <laughs> Dracula Gets into the asylum and secretly attacks Mina three times, drinking her blood every time. And on the last time, he makes her drink his blood. So she's, I guess that's what it takes to become a vampire. So now she's cursed to become a vampire after she dies or unless Dracula is killed. So the men find Dracula's properties. So there's like, um, because he, you know, he just bought all these houses and they find. (laughs) just went on Zillow. (laughs) That would be so much easier now. Dracula couldn't succeed. (laughs) <laughs> There's so many like digital records. <laughs> so they find a bunch of boxes of dirt. <laughs> I feel like it would be pretty easy to bring dirt though. But the, you can't so the vampire get dirt on a plane. No, but like, you know, okay. So for instance, they dredge different beat like different oceans to put sand on the beaches. Like Lake Michigan sand is not all Lake Michigan sand. So oh. I bet you could find a beach where you could move nearby the sand where the sand is taken from your home if you live somewhere like that. All the vampires live in like coastal areas. So anyway, so they go, the vampire hunters each open the box and seal wafers of sacramental bread inside. Um, so they're useless to Dracula because that's apparently all you got to do. 
And then they attempt to trap the count in Piccadilly because he has a house there. But he oh, escaped. Oh, casual. Just like, where does he get all this money? Like, come on. He's like a thousand years old. So Ugh. I feel like, you know, at least. So he's had some time to save. Made some good investments. I feel you could give millennials a thousand years to save and we would still <laughs> we would still be broke. Well, let's be real. This was not during, you know, our lifetime. So people back then got paid enough to, you know, purchase a house and have a living wage. So Dracula probably did fine. That's true. This was before avocado toast and $5 yeah. lattes. <laughs> because that's what's bringing down our generation. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Has nothing to do with stagnant wages. <laughs> right. Or inflation. Right. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Dracula runs away um, and he tries to flee to his castle in Transylvania with his last box. And then Mina has a psychic connection with Dracula, apparently. So Van Helsing's able to exploit that and hypnotize her to track Dracula's movements. So guided by her, they're able to like hunt him. Nice. And then they find him in Romania and Galatz. 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 Um, another word we can't pronounce. If you've been to Galatz, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Also, we're both sleep deprived. So I feel like uh, words are hard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like somebody's going to be like, it's Gala, actually. <laughs> it's French, even though it's in Romania. Van he- okay, so anyway, so Van Helsing and Mina, apparently they took Mina with them, which seems like a bad decision. Well, yeah, she has cool. a psychic connection. Yeah, that's true. Letters don't travel fast enough. So Mina has to go with Van Helsing to Dracula's castle, where the professor, I think that means Van Helsing, destroys the vampire women. And then Harker and Holmwood, remember Holmwood is actually the person Lucy was engaged to. Oh my God. Yeah, we've just got this trio of like, Seward, Seward Quincy Morris, and Arthur Holmwood. Yeah. So and Jonathan Harker. Yeah, then he's around. Um, <laughs> he's just always around they follow Dracula's boat down a river while Morris and Seward are parallel on the land and after Dracula's box is finally loaded onto a wagon the hunters attack it I think this has got to be during the day because it seems like Dracula is in the box and oh. they so Harker slashes his throat and then Quincy stabs him in the heart and Dracula crumbles into dust and frees Mina, that frees Mina from the vampire curse. It would so, have been so much cooler if they had like a cool fight scene. <laughs> Apparently they have some sort of cool fight scene because, okay, so it's very blank. It doesn't tell you that it's during the day or anything like that, but Dracula's box is finally loaded onto the wagon. The hunters converge and attack it. Okay, so I'm assuming that Dracula is in said box. And then it says that Quincy is mortally wounded in the fight against the Zygani, which are the people who loaded the wagon. Oh, so it's like the people that are working for... For uh, Dracula. Yeah. Like his villagers, I guess. Um, Like if you go in classic movies. So he dies from those wounds and dies peacefully, knowing that he has saved Mina's life. Oh, that's sad. And then Jonathan, Harker, and Mina have a baby, and they name him Quincy. And that's where we get the sequel called Quincy. Quincy and the Vampires. (laughs) That might be a different book. The end. Yay. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, that was long, but it would have been 10 years long if Kathleen was doing it. So let's just keep that in mind. 
there was a lot missing from this. And it took me a minute to remember. I was like trying to remember what happened in between. Yeah. Hard to follow. I feel the same way. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, now that we have the plot down, I am going to move into a little bit of the background. And if you're following along, listening to this to the Wikipedia page, <laughs> we're as sorry. One, yeah, as one does, follow along with the Wikipedia page. Um, this is where we're going to talk a little bit about Bram Stoker. I've just got a few little facts here. It's like and- reading along. For the lecture, you know, reading the PowerPoint with a lecture. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Take notes. There will be a quiz. Mm -hmm. So, okay. As we move into background, it's divided up into two categories here. The first one is about Bram Stoker. So Bram Stoker, uh, I found out today that he was actually the acting manager of the Lyceum Theater in London. I don't know if that's how you say Lyceum or Lyceum. Uh, if you've been I'm trying to, to find the word, theater, I'm not a very good reader. <laughs> uh, let us know. But I think that's basically the artistic director. And he essentially knew everybody of like the time period. He supposed like he wrote a bunch of letters back and forth to Walt Whitman. And it is suspected that he had a romantic, possibly sexual affair with Walt Whitman. We don't know that for sure, but like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know anything for sure, but that's kind of hot if they did, um, if it was consensual for both of them. Um, but yeah, it says that like, basically he wrote Gothic novels as a way to supplement his income because (laughs) just like today, working at the theater did not pay very much. So yeah, yeah, he knew uh, Walt Whitman through the theater and he was the uh, stage assistant to Henry Irving, the actor. I feel like I want to comment on these, but I don't know enough about any of these people except for Walt Whitman. Yeah, obviously. But we will do an episode eventually about Walt Whitman. That's really cool. Yeah. It says Stoker supplemented his income from the theater by writing romance and sensational novels and published 18 books by his death in 1912. Dracula was Stoker's seventh published book. Um, And then it lists a bunch of other ones that he wrote. And it says, Hall Kane, a close friend of Stoker's, wrote an obituary for him in the Daily Telegraph saying that besides his biography on Irving, Stoker wrote only to sell and had no higher aims. Interesting. I mean, I guess make that money, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, his true passion was theater. Can you imagine like just being like, no, I'm going to write these books because they're making me money and then writing a bunch of books and being Dracula, like every vampire thing is based off of this story now. Everything. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. Actually, that's a perfect segue because the next section is influence and it's kind of like a lot of stuff about how Stoker was inspired to write this story, but basically He was like us and he hung out in libraries all the time and it it did pay off because he was able to write this novel. But as the Wikipedia page points out in several different areas, he 100% named it Dracula because he was at a library in Whitby. And that's why the story takes place there. Yeah. And apparently he I, I could be like totally talking out my ass here. But like somebody at the library told him that Dracula meant devil in Romanian. 
<laughs> it does not. <laughs> it does not. Wikipedia wants everybody to know it does not. So he was kind of wrong, but he was inspired by um, basically Romanian folklore and uh, specifically the stories of Vlad the Impaler. So a lot of people that really like this novel probably know a little bit about that influence on the novel. It says uh, it talks about a couple of authors that have written about Dracula and the influences and how also Bram Stoker was influenced by Elizabeth Bathory, who was rumored to bathe in the blood of young women to keep herself young. <laughs> but as we now know, this is likely a like false exaggeration that was circulated by her enemies because it was it was and still is just so easy to tear women down in the media. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, some exciting uh, stuff. Yeah. But that kind of gave birth a little bit to the the ethos of like vampires wanting to like drink blood of innocent people to be youthful or and the um, sexualization of that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Oh, we will get into that. Trust me. <laughs> and then it says, uh, moving down the Wikipedia page, aside from the historical, Count Dracula also has liter. Oh, God. <laughs> Watch me butcher this. Literary <laughs> progenitors. Decent, decent. Yeah, yeah. I I'd get it a <laughs> 7 out of 10. Academic Elizabeth Signoroti argues that Dracula is a response to the lesbian vampire of Sheridan Lefanu's Cam uh, Carmilla? Carmilla. Carmilla. I've never read Carmilla. Now I want to see the lesbian vampire. No, I'm going to go to that Wikipedia page, like directly following this. And this is what I found interesting. Uh, Elizabeth Signoroti writes about how like, so there was this lesbian vampire novel and she thinks that Bram Stoker was, quote, correcting its emphasis on female desire. Mm. Yeah, so that's problematic. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that. But uh, definitely check out that Wikipedia page for Carmilla, C-A-R-M-I-L-L-A -L -L -A, by Sheridan Lefanu. Yeah, if you're following along, there's a clickable link in the Exactly, in the page. exactly. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, according to uh, Milbank, another scholar writing about the novel, uh, the story was a deleted first chapter from early in the original manuscript and replicates uh, Carmilla's setting of Styria instead mm. of Transylvania. Interesting. So interesting. I wonder how mad the author would be if they knew that uh, Dracula is like the vampire novel now. Oh, and Carmilla, God, no I one's know. read. That's not true, Bram. Yeah. And then lastly, for this section, it says, uh, in addition to Transylvanian folklore, some elements of Irish folklore have been proposed as possible influences on Stoker. Bob Coran a lecturer in Celtic history and folklore at the University of, oh God. Ulster. Ulster Corlorraine. I'm going to, we'll see. You've been to Ulster Corlorraine. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, suggest in uh, the peer-reviewed historian journal History Ireland that Stoker may have drawn some inspiration for Dracula from Irish vampire. Abracht. Abracht. Thank you. Abertach. 
Abartac. If you know about Abartac, Mm. we don't. (laughs) We know nothing. We are Jon Snow. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I need to look into that, though. That's actually really interesting. So Irish vampires. That's interesting. Maybe I am one. That explains why I'm so pale. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. That would be hot. Like, I... I am in the camp of like vampires are definitely sexy, but like not the Twilight version. (laughs) You don't like your vampires to sparkle? (laughs) No, no, they cannot sparkle. I would be okay with them being uh, Ireland or Transylvania or anywhere in the world, but please, God, do not sparkle. So I learned recently, and um, Kathleen, I texted you about this. uh, Speaking of Twilight, um, the friend who's like the nerdy friend of Bella in Twilight in the movies Oh yeah, is an actress named Christian. <gasps> there is another female Christian out there. She also played. Um, you got a killer, Carmen. Carmen? No, Selena. She played Selena. You, you have to go on a mission to. to there can only Why be is one. It Carmen. And we're back. We got cut off by Zoom yet again. (laughs) If you would like us to not be cut off by Zoom, pay our Zoom bills. Yes. Please. (laughs) We can jump right back in. Yes. I switched to um, an alcoholic beverage that is carbonated. (gasps) Yeah. High noon. Guava. High noon. A classy little high noon. actually tastes like guava, which, by the way, this is unrelated. We are not jumping right back in. But I have to tell you that (laughs) I just tried a real guava, like fresh guava, for the first time. I'd never had it before and I didn't even think about it. Was it delicious? It was delicious. It tasted, this tastes a lot like guava. Go high noon. High noon does it right. They do. They do. Okay. Now um, I digress. I will stop telling you about my fruit experiences. (laughs) Only if they're alcoholic fruit experiences. Yes. Okay. So textual history. There's Lay it on me. a lot of really boring information here. Um, Some of it's interesting though. Like, Prior to writing the novel, Stoker like researched a bunch of stuff. We know how much he loved libraries. Yes. And he had more than 100 pages of notes, which is like a fifth of the book, with chapter summaries, plot outlines, yada, yada. And when he, after he died, his widow, Florence, <gasps> sold what? them for two pounds and two shillings, which is the equivalent of $208 in 2000, or 208, 208 pounds in 2019. So they That's- like, then became the property of Charles Scribner's sons and then disappeared. And then they came back to museum and library in Philadelphia in the seventies. And then HP Lovecraft wrote that he knew an old woman who had been approached by Bram Stoker to take the notes and write the novel. But Bram Stoker thought she was too expensive. What? (laughs) He tried to con somebody else into writing his novel for him. And then she was like, I charge money. And he's like, nah, nah, never mind. Oh my God. <laughs> that is 100% like a, um, like a, a math nerd trying yeah. to get one of us English majors. Like I'll pay you 50 bucks to write my final paper for me. I'm not going to lie. I did that in college, but it I cost it a lot more than $50. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> I did it. Okay. So I, I didn't do it for, I, I was dumb. I didn't even get any money out of it. What? I just thought it would make me popular. So I helped people write paper, 
papulars. I help people write papers all the time. I mean, I, like, wrote- I helped people edit them and stuff, but I would never give them the information. But there was this one kid that I went to high school with and he asked me a bunch and eventually he offered me $150 to write his paper. So I did. <laughs> oh my God. I never made it. I was real dumb in college. I just wanted to be popular. Yeah. I would always help people write their papers. I would do research for them. I would email them. Like I would create bibliographies for people. To all the nerds out there, make sure you get some money out of this. Yeah. It's not worth it. You will not be as popular as you think you will be. Yeah. No, they'll use you. So get money and use them. True. (laughs) We are not condoning cheating. um, Just to be clear. Yeah. Do not cheat. Write your own paper. If you're bad at writing papers, grades don't matter. It doesn't matter. When you when you graduate, C's get degrees. Don't and... waste your money. But if someone's trying to use you, also exploit them for their money. Exactly. Yeah. This um... is the English major way. <laughs> the sad thing is, I know we're both like goody two shoes. There's no way we did much of this. I like we didn't cheat that much. We didn't cheat. <laughs> and never no, on our like... own homework. <laughs> I, yeah, it, that's the thing. I never cheated on my own homework. Yeah. But you just I helped, helped other people. Other, I enabled everybody to cheat <laughs> just because I was like nosy. And I was like, what are you writing your paper about? And they would have like a vague idea of what they wanted to write their paper about. And then I would just be like, oh my God, I read something about that too. And <laughs> then I would help you. Yeah, I would just essentially write their paper. This explains a lot about my personality today <laughs> and the problems that I have. That's Thank fair. you for coming to therapy with me today. <laughs> Okay, so Dracula, Dracula, Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, <laughs> um, did not go to therapy. Uh, he wrote a lot. Um, <laughs> so originally they thought Dracula was written between 1895 and 1897, which it's a massive novel. Two years is like not much time on that. And then later, after his notes were rediscovered, they did some like investigating into these notes and then figured out that he did write outlines for chapters that differ from the final version. Oh. Um, and then he always intended to write an epistolary novel. Epistol- epistolary? I want to say Episcopal, but that's not it. Epistolary. Epistolary novel. And then his earlier iterations of the book didn't use the word vampire. Oh. Interesting. And they were set in Styria. Okay. Is Styria a real place? I'm Googling it right now. I don't know. But that's where the uh, Carmilla took place yeah oh yeah. it is a real place it says um styria is a mountainous fortress fortress oh my god a mountainous <laughs> forest state in southern austria oh okay wouldn't it be interesting if austria were known for vampires <gasps> yes but right now it's just known for uh julie andrews <laughs> she's the reason that there are no vampires there those hills were alive with the sound of music and the vampires were like fuck that i'm trying to sleep during the day (laughs) i wouldn't be julie andrews like twirling in the mountains but i tried to do that one time and i tripped and sprained my ankle that checks out (laughs) (laughs) this is why i don't go camping i feel like i i feel like julie like she looks she's just dancing in the mountains but it looks like she's camping i don't I don't do that. <laughs> it looks like camping. Kathleen stays away. It looks like camping. I don't know. She makes like dresses out of curtains. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not resourceful like that. I just have to say she made a lot of dresses out of those curtains. Um, anyway. Okay. So original notes. We'll go back to this because this part's actually funny. 
Stoker had completed his original plans. If he had, it would have been a German professor called Max Wendel Hoffel. Wendel, or Winsoffel. Winsoffel. Uh, anyway, so Winsoffel would have confronted Count Wampier. <laughs> but I think it's Vampire, you know, like, like just, vampire, I read it with, but like uh, vom- American. Vampire, yeah. like if it's German. So W A M P R or W A M P Y R. And then one of the crew of light would have been slain by a werewolf, which I assume that's why there's the the, the dog jumping around, you know, like yeah. Wikipedia never explained that, but he's a werewolf. Cute. So it's cute. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, And it was supposed to be a detective story. So Dracula's like the biggest whodunit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I get major uh, Sherlock Holmes vibes <laughs> from from like they're chasing him around all of like, uh, Eastern Europe and stuff like that. One thing I think is really interesting is that this Wikipedia page also references the book cost six shillings and was bound <laughs> in yellow cloth and titled in red letters. Why we need to know that? I'm not 100% sure. People said it looks shabby or a specific biographer, Barbara Belfort in oh. 2002, said it looked shabby, probably because they changed the name later. I feel like they were trying to make it look shabby. Yeah, like, maybe. Don't buy this book. It's got all the sexy vampire secrets <laughs> in it. You don't want to know about the dirty vampire secrets. Also interesting fact, not dirty vampire secrets, dirty hollow- <laughs> I was like, Hollywood you, secrets. Do you know the dirty vampire secrets? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the Universal Studios purchased the rights to the film in the 1930s, and it <laughs> it was discovered that Bram Stoker had never completed his U.S. copyright. Like, he never complied with U.S. copyright law. So they paid for something that didn't even... It was in the public domain? Yeah. So it was in the public domain. That's almost as bad as me texting you, like, can Wikipedia sue us? This is, like, the most absent-minded thing, too. Because what it is, it's to have the copyright, you were required to purchase the copyright and register two copies. He purchased the copyright and only registered one. (laughs) Oh, Bram Stoker. Uh, And... We kept talking about how he was trying to make money. He did not make money off Dracula. Oh, he no. it didn't get it like it performed well, like it was reviewed well, but it was not popular. And he didn't really become famous for it until after he died, which is why his wife sold the notes for only two pounds. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's and crazy. This book has never been out of publication ever. It's like it's the crazy. Bible. <laughs> Except much- I wonder if the Bible has been out of publication. I bet you could find it, period. No, is it like the Bible has been like the longest, pu- like it was like the first technically published book? I don't know. So it's it's always been in publication? We're going to Google this first. I mostly because I want to know what the first published book would be. It had to have been the Bible because that was the first thing they were like. No, I knew this was, that was wrong. I learned what? this in my, my um, English class in college. It was the Epic of Gilgamesh. Wait, but was it pu- like that was the first published book? Wow. Yeah. But you have to think too that the church held on to the Bible for a long time. A lot of people were not taught to read because the church maintained power that way. So I don't think that they would yeah, have pushed but wasn't it- I thought when it was the printing the first press thing- came. I thought it was like the first thing from like the printing press. Like the the, the what's first it official published book is the is the Epic of Gilgamesh, but let's see. First book on printing press. Maybe to be mass produced. Because I know Epic of Gilgamesh is is like essentially the Bible because people say that like the Bible was basically yeah, the, ripping off 
the epic mm-hmm. of Gilgamesh because epic of Gilgamesh was like a thousand years. I'm making that up, but like it was many, <laughs> many years before the Bible. So the Gutenberg Bible was the first book printed on a printing press. That's so that's what probably what you're thinking. Okay. Yeah. I was okay, but- real wrapped up in that printing press. <laughs> anyway, I think that, that that's all the interesting stuff. Um, Fun. They do say in Icelandic that the novel, when it was published in Icelandic, they changed names for and places for obvious reasons. Don't know what those reasons are. <laughs> it just says for obvious reasons yeah. and doesn't say what. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They they just wanted it to be in Iceland. They were like, uh, we actually don't acknowledge Europe. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently also Stoker wrote a preface for it. Not, nobody had thought to translate it back to English. And then when someone read it and read both versions, I suppose, they realized it differed like significantly and character oh, wow. names were changed. The length was abridged and it was more overtly sexual. <gasps> it was just fan fiction. Yeah, he wrote fan fiction of his own book. I love that. He was like, okay, and now for the sexy version. My mother will never read this. <laughs> exactly. It's in it's in Icelandic. My mom will never know. <laughs> cool. So that brings us. Okay, so now we're moving on to the major themes uh, mm. portion of the Wikipedia page. So this is the stuff that we always get into in English class. So like we all like supposedly did the reading homework and then you come to discussion group in your class. Mm-hmm. This is and, the discussion part you're not prepared for. Yeah, exactly. The discussion <laughs> part that you're like, and just to piggyback off of what Tiffany said about <laughs> the themes and tone, I think that it was the author who intended it. <laughs> that's Brilliant. What, Brilliant. Yeah, that's what you do in discussion group in college. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. cool so this is broken up into um gender and sexuality we're definitely going to dig into that race and disease so these are the main themes of the novel that wikipedia chooses to add to their entry i'm sure there are many many more but something that's good enough (laughs) yeah something that i kind of always go back to thinking about this novel is are vampires sexy? And I remember reading this in a Victorian lit class. The whole point of the Victorian lit class, as I'm sure many Victorian lit classes, you know, cover is were the Victorians sexually repressed or is their literature a kind of example of how they were not sexually repressed at all? They were very like open and forward, but it was you know, in these very like subtle themes in literature uh, where where they could kind of like express sexuality for the first time in a long time. <laughs> That's not closeted at all. <laughs> not clo- Well, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like everything in Victorian literature, like all we talk about is sex. Yeah. That and their flowers. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're flowers. into those too. Yeah. And, and there's this whole, there's this whole thing uh, also in Dracula where it's like the sleeping woman, the the sexualization of the sleeping or dead mm-hmm. woman. And and that that's just like deeply problematic. But the Victorians were, there's a bunch of paintings. I remember um, one of my lecture classes talking a lot about like Victorian paintings. And it's always like these women who are like either sleeping or possibly dead because they're very pale. <laughs> they look a little dead. And they're like laying down with their hands folded and like flowers on them. And that's, I always imagine like Lucy like that in the scene where she's like 
dead before they mutilate her body. <laughs> they got to make sure she won't come back. Yeah. So in this section, it uh, talks about uh, academic analyses of Dracula as sexually charged have become so frequent that a cottage industry has developed around the topic. Sexuality and seduction are two of the novel's most frequently discussed themes, especially as it relates to English womanhood. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, uh, there's this woman named Talia Schaefer. Hey, I like girl. her name. Yeah, hey girl, hey Talia, points to intensely homoerotic letters sent to him, meaning Bram Stoker, or sorry, intensely yeah. homoerotic letters sent by Bram Stoker to American poet Walt Whitman. Ooh la la. Yes. So that's kind of like acknowledging the um, homoerotic undertones a little bit. And it says, Stoker began writing the novel one month following the imprisonment of his friend Oscar Wilde for homosexuality. Interesting. I feel like yeah. they would have been a cool crew. <laughs> I know. Could you imagine hanging out with Bram Stoker, Walt Whitman, and Oscar Wilde? Yeah, and at that point, I don't think that any of them knew how famous they would be, so they wouldn't have had too big of heads, you know? I mean, Oscar I imagine Wilde. they were all cocky, especially Oscar, Oscar Wilde. had a huge head. About yeah. He was super famous. <laughs> Everybody loved him. I bet it would have been a great party, I, I just think that's so interesting to like contextualize that like that. It's like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. It talks about uh, in the Wikipedia page, the novel's characters are often said to represent transgressive sexuality through the performance of their genders. So this is kind of like an early uh, kind of examination of uh, studying genders and sexualities in literature, which, as we know, is a huge part of most college curriculums today. Uh, the primary sexual threat is posed by Count Dracula. I and wonder so, if this book passes the Bechdel test. I never really thought about it. Absolutely here. not. Because <laughs> they usually do talk about their men. That's how they have their yeah. everything in their letters. The whole scene. Well, I guess it's not a scene because they're like writing letters back and forth. But like the whole thing with Lucy and, and Mina is that they're talking about all of the men that have proposed <laughs> that's true and she ditches her friend for her fiance exactly so. <laughs> really i think bram stoker just needed to get them away from each other so they could continue to write letters so he didn't have to actually try to add more to the plot <laughs> well that actually takes us to so the examination of the two female leads of this novel people uh write a lot about how they are either sexualized or not sexualized uh, and this section of the Wikipedia says the novel's depiction of women continues to divide critics. Elaine Showalter writes that Lucy Westerna and Mina Harker represent different aspects of the new woman. Interesting. So uh, the new woman, meaning like uh, Victorian women, like progressive. The modern woman of the time. Yeah, the modern woman of the time. Uh, according to Showalter, Lucy represents the sexual daring of the new woman, evidenced by how she wonders why a woman cannot marry three men if they desire her. <laughs> I feel like Lucy was just like bragging. She's like, girl, like, oh, my God, these three guys, like they all want to marry me. How many guys want to marry you? Oh, just one. Yeah. And I don't think that Bram Stoker was really commenting on the freedom of women. 
with that. No, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the article goes on to say, uh, Mina, meanwhile, represents the new woman's intellectual ambitions, citing her occupa- uh, occupation as a schoolmaster, her keen mind, and her knowledge of shorthand. Carol A. Senf writes that Stoker was ambivalent about the new woman phenomenon. The yeah. novel's five vampires, four of them are women and all play singularly important roles in Dracula's defeat. So mm. that's something to think about. And then also Senf points out that Lucy's sexual awakening, meaning like her uh, being bitten by a vampire and then dying and becoming a vampire herself and becoming overtly sexual as a vampire and her reversal <laughs> of gender-based sexual roles is what bothers Van Helsing so much. So he has to kill her. Okay. So that I feel like it's unfair. And also to call that a sexual awakening. <laughs> right. Right. I feel like if we're going to say anything about a female character having to die in order to have sexuality, it'd be some fetishism by Bram Stoker. Yeah. I just feel right. like that's unfounded because right. that's, but see, that's, silly. that's another thing though, is that like, for like what I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but for several reasons, like Victorian men, like hypersexualized the yeah. sleeping or dead woman. Yeah. So I feel like that was, then it's like, um, you know, that this, this is written to be that like fantasy for a man. This right. has nothing to do with a woman finding any of her own sexuality or her own autonomy. It's Agreed. more to turn on whatever guy's reading the book. Agreed. Well, and also like, or Bram Stoker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Bram Stoker was necessarily saying like, oh, look, like Van Helsing is this guy who's threatened by w- sexual women. Yeah. So I don't think that was it. Kill them. I don't think he's saying that. But I think contextualizing this, as we've talked about, like other problematic pieces of literature, like very problematic pieces of literature, I think it's important for us to kind of like in college classes and everything, think about how Van Helsing, like what level of eroticism could be like driving him to make the choices that he makes in the novel. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And then that takes us to, uh, oh, actually there's two more shit. <laughs> that takes us I feel to like the last two. disease will be very small. Yeah. Disease is going to be that. really small, but this next one is uh, thinking of this novel and the themes of race. So in the Victorian era, a lot of Western European people, a lot of British people, this is the height of colonialism. They were worried about, quote, reverse colonialism. (laughs) So like reverse racism. (laughs) Right. Where, you know, like we might think of this as just like xenophobia, you know, where they were worried about people from Eastern Europe, Transylvania, coming into Western Europe. London and making people like less and less British and making them more (laughs) Eastern European essentially. And so Dracula as a like Slavic familiar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Dracula as a Slavic or Romani character represents somebody uh, who is the other Mm. who is infiltrating a, um, a basically a group of white people. I forgot to say my my 30 second summary. Oh, my 30 second summary at the beginning was <laughs> some Transylvanian guy really fucks up the lives of a bunch of British people. <laughs> still accurate. Yeah, still accurate. <laughs> but at the time, uh, people of Western Europe 
were seen as barbarians and primitive, whereas people of Great Britain were seen as civilized. So that brings us to the xenophobia of this novel and thinking about race and how the British Empire really, oh, really hit the colonialism hard. <laughs> and it's, you know, I don't think it's something that is overt necessarily picking up this book and reading it, but it really is there. And when you're reading it, it's, yeah, it's something that, that has to be addressed. And then this final section of themes is one of disease. This is a little bit darker. I promise we're going to pick it up in like the next session. <laughs> but uh, this uh, deals with the anti-Semitism of the novel. Mm. Uh, it says the novel's representation of vampirism has been discussed as symbolizing Victorian anxieties about disease. The theme is discussed with far less frequency than others because it is discussed alongside other topics rather than like a central object of discussion. But it says at some point that Count Dracula smells like Jerusalem, meaning a, quote, Jewish smell. And Jewish people at the time in Victorian literature were described as parasites, which is extremely anti-Semitic. And mm -hmm. that's kind of like echoed throughout the novel as Jewish people were also referred to as, quote, Yiddish bloodsuckers. Interesting. And, yeah, which set was said to be like linked to sexually transmitted diseases like syphilis huh. yeah so thinking about like vampires sucking blood and like uh i think people were just starting to understand like how diseases can be um like transferred from one person to another but then immediately because people are terrible they start blaming, you know, like marginalized people for diseases that can be transferred from person to person through like bodily. I think um, it's interesting given that he's only like 20 years before, like this is his contemporary literature, like his contemporaries were 20 years before World War One, So like, yeah. you know, around that era. And you saw a lot of the anti-Semitism start yeah. to build in Europe. Yeah. So it, like you don't think about how far back it went. Exactly. It's messed up. Oh, mm -hmm. are you ready to bring us up, Christian? I can try. <laughs> we got to go up from here. This, you know, this novel is really problematic, you know, in a lot of ways. But I think it's also like we always say with the stuff we cover, it's important to contextualize. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so bringing us up. Yes. Uh, this is an epistolary novel. Dracula, like we said earlier, it's like not a narrative so much as it's letters. So it's narrated through a series of documents we start with jonathan harker's journal um we move on to the captain's log and then to letters from mina and lucy and then it talks about an attempt to translocate the strange events of his visit from dracula in harker's journal initially which is interesting because it was like there's a during the 19th century it was really popular to write about your travels in that way to journal about them yeah, like and have travel, travel literature there was yeah. a lot of things like Gulliver's travels and things you think about those books that are written in that style where it's travel literature um harker's journal starts the novel off that way which is cool yes. that reminds me of um frankenstein because we start off with mm -hmm. like the captain's log in the arctic yeah so um it starts off that way and then also, they're, they're like the narrative styles highlight a power struggle between the vampire and the hunters. 
which interesting is interesting. I think the thing that's really interesting about it is it said it increases the prominence of Van Helsing's broken English as Dracula gathers power. And this represents the entrance of a foreigner into Victorian society. Wow. Which I don't entirely get, but that's fine. Like Dracula is like the foreigner. See, that's what I can't figure like that's what i was i wasn't sure about here so the prominence the increasing prominence of van housing broke is his broken english makes me think that he's the foreigner so where he's struggling dracula gains power from that but then oh. that doesn't make sense given what we just read yeah no i think yeah dracula is definitely like the he's the other yeah. you know versus everybody else but also van helsing is an other yeah. as well but they're they also talk about here how Seward, Harker, and Lucy are very eloquent and excessively polite, and they are in stark contrast to Van Helsing's broken English, which is interesting. But yeah, do what you will with that. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Dracula is it's considered gothic fiction yes we love our gothic gothic fiction fiction. um and it tends to gothic fiction tends to blur boundaries pointing to sexual orientation race class and even species which is interesting i'm just like i don't know what to do with any of this today um (laughs) so when you relate that to dracula the fact that it talks about those things the things we just discussed above the count can disgorge blood from his breasts in addition to his teeth so oh wow interesting interesting yeah and he's both attracted to jonathan harker and mina oh so we've got maybe a bisexual vampire yeah so bisexual vampire. yeah i'm a fan but he also is a count so he's like an aristocrat yeah who then mingles with vagrants yeah, it's interesting. They talk about like the way that they describe him and all of those things that are like the the stereotypical villain. He was the stereotypical gothic villain of the time with a hooked nose and pale complexion, <laughs> which is, I don't know. I just feel like I think cartoon villain when they describe him. Um, he also yeah. has a large mustache, which none of the film versions have. <laughs> yes, I feel, I feel like the mustache has gone in and out of yeah. like villain fashion for years and years and years. And I wonder if that has to do with like, I wonder what culturally that kind of like says about people in different generations. Cause it's like, yeah. I think of like, I always picture Dracula as not having a mustache mm-hmm. or like any facial hair. But I don't you- feel like even in the 1931 version, he didn't have facial hair. Right. Right. But then that I always picture like, I don't know, like wild wet, quote unquote, wild west villains, like twirling With a, a handlebar mustache. Yeah, a handlebar mustache. Yeah. yeah. We both did the gesture. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Combed our imaginary mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Dracula in the 1990s became criti- subject to critical interest into Irish fiction because, mm. you know, it goes from Irish legends. It's set largely in England, but Stoker was born in Ireland. Yeah, um, so was Oscar Wilde. Yeah, maybe that's why they were buds. They were. Um, they were Irish buds. Yeah, and he lived there for 30 years. Oh, wow. So he was 30 before he moved. And so a significant part of his book is like rooted in Irish legends, England, and in colonialism. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you have to think about like the, I'm sure that this significantly impacted it. I- Ireland at the time was a part of the British Empire. 
And they uh, always had a contentious yeah. relationship. So I, I imagine that that contributed to his commentary on immigrants. Yeah, a, a part of the British Empire, but also the other. Yeah, and there was a lot of othering of Irish people at the time versus yep. English people, which that's gone back hundreds of years. But, mm-hmm. it, you know, it still exists today. Irish people being othered I clearly know a lot about Ireland uh, based on our past <laughs> discussions of like which part of Ireland is the UK, which one is not one of them is. You're not oh. supposed to repeat repeat our stupidity. It's they know. <laughs> <laughs> we only repeat our stupidity. Cool, cool. <laughs> Don't remind them. <laughs> Is that the end of of uh, genre? Yeah, basically, like um, Irish or Irish critics, critics have described Dracula as an Anglo-Irish landlord, which I think is interesting. That wow. like he, yeah, they just very much rooted in Stoker's experiences, his very lived cool. experiences, which is yeah, very interesting. But yeah, that's all I got. That's for cool, cool. All right. Back to me. Back to me. <laughs> Don't bring us down this time. I'm not. Um. I'm not. I promise I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm going to close us out with the reception of the novel. So something, uh, I'm just going to pick like a few things from this last bit. Something I wanted to mention was that people actually did, and most critics did find Dracula, the novel to be very frightening to audiences and it was frequently compared to other novels of the time like the woman in white uh the bronte sisters uh obviously yeah mary shelley's frankenstein and then it says um another anonymous writer described stoker as the edgar Allan poe of the 90s other favorable comparisons to other gothic novelists include the bronte sisters and mary shelley (laughs) that's awesome to close us out, it's not necessarily a quiz, but I did want to put out there that 1992, the 1992 Gary Oldman Dracula is the one that I most associate with as far as like adaptation of the novel. Christian, what is yours? Uh, probably the same. The same? Yeah. I'm like, I have to think about that, but I feel like that's the adaptation I think of. Though, so if I think of like the image of Dracula... And I've never actually seen this movie, but it'd probably be the 1958 version. Like there's a picture in Wikipedia and that's what I imagine when I think of someone playing Dracula. Yeah. But I just, I love Winona Ryder in, (laughs) in that movie. So I think Gary Oldman's really good in the movie too. I have to like Google what the. It's, oh my God, girl, we need to watch it together. I mean, I've seen it. It's just been a minute. So (laughs) I'm like trying to Google who the Dracula was. Or not who, but like what what he looked like. Or was Gary Oldman Dracula or was he? No, he was Dracula. Yeah, I just meant like, I don't know what he looked like in the movie. Oh. Like with, yeah, no, that's not what I imagined Dracula looking at all. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have to change my answer about my favorite Dracula adaptation. Yes. It took me a minute to figure out what it was. I had to Google a little bit because I couldn't remember but it's Dracula dead and loving it. <laughs> what is that? Um, it is where Mel Brooks played. Oh, the yes. And that's awesome. It's a spoof on Dracula. It isn't scary at all. It's pretty clumsy. He's a womanizer. It like makes fun of the sexualization of the book. And yeah. Um, yes. I don't know why. I always thought it was hilarious as a kid. 
So there we go. That was my favorite. Yes. Oh my, I actually also thought of a really cute, um, like little quiz question too. What was the, the place where Dracula was almost set before Transylvania? Pisteria? Yes. Yay. Okay. So I have a quiz for you too. Okay. Okay. Name three locations that Dracula took place in. Ooh, uh, Transylvania, uh, okay. Whitby, and um, Buda- does Budapest count? I guess that counts. Yeah, yeah. Budapest counts. Yeah. yeah, London? London. Okay, do so they do you make it to London? Yeah, Piccadilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Piccadilly, yeah. And then do you remember the name of the mountain range? Oh, the Carpathian Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. We passed this quiz. Too yes. bad this wasn't our SATs. We are smart. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, to wrap us up, please let us know on social media if you think Dracula is scary. Do you think it should come back around in the social zeitgeist as like a horror? Because we haven't seen like a major adaptation since 1992. That was the year Kathleen was born. (laughs) I did find out that there have been two recent Dracula movies. What were they well, like, like? Not in the like the last thirty years, like not nineties. Oh. So like in um two thousand, there were two, but neither of them really took off. Yeah, not like a wide release. And they changed the story a little bit to be more like Interview with a Vampire esque. Yeah. Oh, we could do a whole could do episode that. about that. Oh, dude, I have so much to say about Anne Rice. So much. <laughs> okay. Well, that might have to be another episode for us because hell yeah, I think so. Holy shit. All right. Well, we don't have time this time, <laughs> but we love you all. Please find us. Uh, I'm Kathleen Brumback on all social media. And I'm Christian Lutz, pretty much everywhere. And we are two English majors walking to a bar. Please connect with us on social media. Say hi. All right. See you in November. Yes. See you in November. Happy spooky season, everybody. Yay. Yay. Bye. Bye. Walk Into a Bar is produced by Kathleen Brumbach and Christian Lutz. Cover art by Bobby Lutz and sound design by Matt Fletcher.